Hey, thanks for joining us. You have connected to the podcast, Teach Me to Father. Teach Me to Father. By Father Seekers. Teach Me to Father. Hey, we started we started the conversation a couple of a couple of weeks ago about what the culture says about manhood versus what the what the scriptures say, what the kingdom of God says about manhood. So we're talking today, I think is gonna be the wrap, not that it's the end of the conversation, but just for now. It is it is it is the it is it is gonna culminate today with this with with this third podcast. The third podcast, Teach Me to Father, Biblical Manhood. And we've we've talked about, titled it Jesus Alpha Male. Now in the last couple of weeks, we've talked a lot about what the culture says and how how there is so much brokenness in the definition of what manhood actually is and what that brokenness has created and how it is, in fact, uh, made, made, made manhood toxic. But we've also talked about, we've also talked about how in the kingdom of God, manhood is not toxic. Now, before we go for further, I want to say this to you, that the kingdom has in itself, there is a balance to it. The balance to biblical manhood is biblical womanhood. Now, when you have one without the other, there is a distinct imbalance. And, and I can show you at least from my study and my experience and also some scriptural researching, how that that imbalance actually started and when it started and what it's done over over time. Here's the interesting story. In as generations continue to pass and to move forward, every generation marches before God and passes passes him by. Yet he remains the same. He remains central, and Jesus is is the beginning. He is the end. He is the middle. He is all in all. So Jesus is is center. God is in control. He is in charge, and he is in full command of the universe. So when we begin to understand those different pieces, we have to understand that there is a divine order that God himself has has not only created and established, but he has set it apart for his creation, for his creation to to follow and to yield to and to operate and to function inside of. You know, here's what's what's interesting about the culture today is that that it seems like that the further we get away from the New Testament church, the closer we get to establishing a godless culture rendering, as some might think, the power of God in the name of Jesus powerless as though, as though they or some could wash it away. 
that that is never going to happen. The word of God will never return void, neither will it neither will it not produce what what the father himself intended it to produce. So all of that being said, there has to be this this divine distinct particular balance with biblical manhood and it's biblical womanhood. Today I want to talk about biblical manhood. And and here's here's again just to re- refresh a little bit. Biblical manhood is not is not a guy saying I'm a Christian or I'm a Jesus guy and then doing whatever he wants to to his wife, his kids and his friends and extended family. In fact, if I say that I'm a Jesus guy, I pattern my life distinctly and specifically after that of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are a couple of things clear. There is a misunderstanding and a misinterpretation of what imitating Jesus is about. In other words, ask ask anybody who Jesus is and what did he do, and to the person you will probably get a different answer every time. Ask 10 people, different answer. So, So here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Let's draw a conclusion right now before we jump into this topic, and let's determine and let's say this. One, Scripture, Scripture, Scripture is the final and ultimate authority. It is the truth of God. It is unchanging, and it is established eternally because it is his spoken word. Now, where the variation and understanding for application, modern-day application, comes in is how we interpret Scripture. So how we interpret Scripture is, is very important, and it helps us understand at least what is being said in that passage about a particular topic or subject. Now, again, interpretation is, is, is one of the key elements in understanding Scripture. So for us at Father Seekers, we interpret Scripture grammatically, historically, Judeo-Christian understanding, anthropological understanding, who was the text written to, what was happening, the whole picture of understanding. And, And to dig even deeper, we ask, what do specific words mean and what is their application in the passage that you found them in? So when I say biblical interpretation, that's what I'm talking about. So if the Word of God is the ultimate truth, and it is the source of truth, and it is, it is the direction and the pathway to live a godly male, man of God, Jesus God, biblical manhood life, then it's relatively clear we've got to get into Scripture and begin to understand it, not the way that culture interprets Scripture, not the way that some groups or parties have decided to twist and contort and confuse and corrupt scripture. And I, I'll add this last thing and I'll get off I'll get off my my soapbox podium. If Jesus Christ himself is not central in your understanding of scripture and in your interpretation of scripture, you are off and you are wrong. That it's just that simple. 
Theologically, that is called being Christocentric. Christ is the center. It is about him. You are not the man. I am not the man. He, Christ Jesus, is the man. That being said, what we have to understand is this, that when we try to to establish a model of what being a godly man is like, one who imitates the life of Jesus through his own life, then we have to have a clear understanding of Scripture. There's a couple of other things that have to be added to that. We have to have a group of men. And my number, my number for you is five. My number for me is five. Five men who I'm intimately acquainted with, who I speak into their lives and they speak into my lives, who interpret Scripture the same way. Now, we may not all agree on the end result of that passage, but we interpret it the same way. And we may have we we may have a different understanding about that passage or that idea. Nonetheless, Jesus remains central and he is the ultimate model. One of the one of the terms that we toss around in in our in my group of guys in my circle is is the red letter words of Jesus. What did what did he actually say? Now to go back a little bit and just to just to just to put a, a, a point of operation on. If you look at the scriptures all together and you try to find the center point of scripture, the center point of scripture is the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, Matthew five through seven. If you try to find the center of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, you'll find that in Matthew 6, 33 and 34. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all else, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough care or enough worry of its own. So when we begin to think and we begin to identify biblical manhood and we point a finger at it, we have to look at what Jesus said and did, how he did it, what he did, and in certain circumstances, how did he respond and reply to people who challenged him or who came alongside him? So this, this, this exploration of biblical manhood is not a one-shot, one-kill, one-discussion one discussion conversation. It is it is a journey. It's a lifestyle. It's a moving forward. It's 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 us. It's us men understanding that to live a life that is pleasing to God, to live a life an alpha male, a Jesus alpha male. But Jesus was the ultimate alpha male. But Jesus as the the alpha male, the one that we pattern ourselves after, we have to study his life. Now, when you hear and you investigate his life and you find the things that he exposed and the truth that he told and his response to people and the things that angered him and the things that brought him joy, you begin to see a distinct pattern evolving and you see it emerging from his life. And this distinct pattern is that he lived his life in accordance with the plan and the design of his heavenly father. So it's 
it's crystal clear that Jesus had a particular strong relationship with his father, and he, he, he carved out time in his busy life, leading people, preaching, discipling the disciples. He, he made it a point to carve out time to spend with his father. Now, let's, let's, look, at, let's look at the fatherlessness thing for a minute. Now, fatherlessness is not a badge to wear to, to pat ourselves on the back and say, woe is me. It is a distinguishing marker that says, this is where I came from. However, this is not where I will remain, nor, nor will it determine the end result of my life any longer. I, from, I have identified myself as fatherless on this earth, and now I pursue the greatness of being a good father that can only come from God himself. The scripture says that God is a father to the fatherless, Therefore, we are not fatherless, but there's this problem of having a relationship with God. I had a conversation with a man the other day. He said, you know, I don't have a problem believing in God, but I have a problem associating with him as my father. Now, you, you, you don't, you don't, you're probably already ahead of what I'm about to say, but, but what we don't know we won't know until we do know. Now, here's, here's the beauty about knowing where you've come from and identifying it, but determining to move forward. You have a starting point. You don't have to wonder anymore or wonder who you are. You can know. And then there, there is the big push. There is the big play. There is the big direction. Do I want to put in the hard work to become who God wants me to be, my Father in heaven? Do I want to put that hard work in? And and also, to put that first step forward, do I want to believe? Do I want to have faith in God? Well, if you study the red letters, if you study, and and by the way, by the way, if 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 the Sermon on the Mount is the center of the Scripture. Everything before that led up to the Sermon on the Mount. Everything after that was a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. So before, leading up to Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, history breaking, and after Sermon on the Mount, a commentary on what Jesus said and did, how he lived his life. So here, here's where we have to grab hold of, of truth, placing our faith in the truth of what Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And Scripture goes on to say that, that God himself was pleased to make Jesus the sacrifice for our sin so that he, God, could draw us to himself again through the Lord Jesus. Now, if you're not buying into that, you know what? I got it. But give it a chance and study it and work it out. Don't believe what other people tell you. Look at it for yourself. Now, when God said, I've sent Jesus that he might come to you, that you can have relationship with me and you can enter back into full relationship with me, the reference, one of those references there is, is referring back to the garden before the fall of man. 
Genesis says that God walked with Adam and Eve every day. He met them in the garden in the cool of the day, and he he had relationship with them. He knew them. He had conversation. He enjoyed their presence, and he theirs. They his. So there's there was a relationship in the beginning. He as creator father. The scripture says that God created all that exists, both seen and unseen, known and unknown. He created it through Jesus Christ, and all things hold together in him. So Jesus is the doorway, the gateway to God, and he is also the savior of our souls. But guys, he, he himself, he himself is the ultimate alpha male. Now, if you're picking up on anything I'm saying, and you're beginning to build a pattern that you can model and work out, you're already seeing that that Jesus, Jesus lived a life, humble life, subservient to no one and nothing except his father. We have to buy into this and believe the truth of Jesus, that he came to give us relationship with our father and, and how, how we work that out. If we don't understand what a father is, we have to begin to investigate who God is and then ask him to intervene in our lives into our understanding to help us understand what being a good father is. Here's one of the secrets in the universe, and it's this. You can't be a good father until you're first a good son. Let me say it again. You can't be a good father in first, uh, unless first you're a good son. So you can see how the enemy attacked and created this, this chaos in the beginning so that, so that fatherlessness could start. Um, let me explain. Let me explain that when, when God created Adam, He said, "Adam, this whole garden I've given to you. It's yours." He said, "You you have access to everything here except one thing. That one thing that you do not have access to. That is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So don't don't." touch it. Don't, don't engage with it. Don't let it catch your eye. Stay away. The story progresses and God says, it's not good for you to be alone, Adam. I want to create for you a helpmate. I want to create a partner. God created Eve from Adam's side, his rib. And this is where I want to interject this concept and this idea of biblical manhood can only be balanced by biblical womanhood and vice versa. If we, if we are not pursuing this sort of relationship with our wives, we are creating chaos for, the next, for our kids and for the next generations. God gave us our wives to balance our lives and to help be part of all that he has assigned us to do, not not to be a maid service, a servant, not to be a sex slave, not to to be the bearer and raiser of children alone. No, no. It it is a it is a it's more than a partnership. It is a covenant that God Himself created that we have to walk through and understand that God Himself created this community. He created the people in the community. Therefore, he created the way that they would respond ideally and, and relate. In Genesis, back to there, the scripture also says that Eve was deceived. 
and she took the fruit and gave it to Adam. Now, I've heard a lot of narcissistic pastors throw rocks at women for for being that they've been criticized and and ridiculed for being deceived by the enemy. We have to remember that God himself told Adam, don't do this, don't have anything to do with it. Stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when Eve brought the fruit, Adam took part in it. He didn't stop and say, no, this God said no. Now, there's, there's some evidence of that because, because when Eve had the encounter with the serpent, the serpent said, did God really say? And Eve said, no, God said we could have everything in the garden, but he said, not this tree. And then the serpent began to deceive. So it's clear that Adam said, don't have anything to do with this tree. Yet Eve continued on and, and was deceived and then gave the fruit to Adam. Here's the thing. What's caused chaos, what's caused an unraveling of the family, what's caused men to leave and to to downsize their thinking or become something that they were never designed to be, is, is when Adam didn't step in positionally to obey God's command and to lead his family likewise. Because Eve, once she was created, was his family, was his helpmate, his wife. So Adam did not step in. He did not take his rightful place. He did not, he did not speak the word of God and take authority, not over his wife, but over the enemy, to take authority over the enemy and stop the enemy. We've ridiculed women for years and underscored their, their, some would say, stupidity and arrogance. Well, that's not what God said. That's not at all what he said. In fact, as you read on through Scripture and you get to the Sermon on the Mount, you see that clearly Jesus came to be the sacrifice for everyone, and he didn't throw rocks. He said, you've sinned. We have to move forward. I'm a merciful, loving Savior. So when we, when we attack women for, for, for taking the fruit and falling to deception, we have to turn around and we have to point the finger at the man and say, look, we, we dropped the ball. We didn't, we didn't live in the—God had already given Adam authority over the garden. And when Eve came into picture, God created her— She had authority in the garden alongside Adam. This whole authority thing has been used to control women for years. Now, there's there's lots of deep subjects and deep wells we could get into with this. I don't want to do that now. What I want to to say to you, my friend, my brother, man, dude, is you have to understand, even though you are fatherless, and this is where the enemy robs you, and has robbed me for years, and many of my my brothers has robbed us of the understanding that we are we are divinely assigned and approved by God to be a godly man. Now, being a godly man doesn't mean that we run over and control people. It means that we emulate and imitate the life of Christ. 
So let, let's be clear before we move on to the next point that, that we subjugated our authority to the enemy when we participated in taking the fruit. We subjugate and gave away our position that God gave us. That's when the enemy took, took authority over the earth. It's when we gave away our position by accepting the lie of the enemy in form of fruit from a tree. So if we want to blame and point fingers, which God does not do that, that's why he sent Jesus. But if we want to, to blame and point fingers, let's take the finger off of pointing from the, at the woman and point at ourselves because we, we allowed the enemy to usurp our position and take it from us. Now, let's fast forward to Jesus. Jesus, and, and here's, here's where we want to get to with this, this podcast, Jesus, the alpha male. Now, here's what's interesting. I, I mentioned this last week. I want to do it again. Alpha and omega, the first and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. Alpha is the beginning, the starting point, the genesis. Omega is the end, the last. It's the smallest and most insignificant letter in the Greek alphabet. So what is being said here? And there's much to be said about Alpha and Omega. What is being said here is Jesus is the beginning and he is the end. He is as big and as large and overarching and encompassing as any other. Yet he is, he is, he is in the smallest place in all of his fullness and power at the most unlikely time he is there therefore he is the all in all he is the man the alpha male the original alpha male he is he is the alpha male so so what what we want to do at father seekers and and on this podcast teach me to father what we want to do is redefine not redefined. We want to raise the flag on who the real alpha male is. It's not what culture says. It's not what culture defines. It is the Lord Jesus Himself. Now I want to draw. I want to draw just just two things that Jesus exhibited in His life. And then I want to give you a couple of takeaway steps that you could actually begin to apply in your life and become a, a Jesus alpha male. Two characteristics in Jesus' life and ministry on this earth. One, he was a he was a peacemaker and two, he was meek. Now, if if you're familiar with scripture at all, you know that those are two of the eight beatitudes and you also know that that those two words are mentioned as well in Paul's writing in Galatians about fruit of the spirit. Now, what is what is peacemaker mean? Peacemaker means that I make peace according to God's will and God's way and God's instruction and empowerment by his Holy Spirit. I am not a peacekeeper. I'm not to give away my position. I'm not to allow another to usurp the enemy to usurp my authority or my position as a man that God has given me. I'm not allowed to do that. I keep peace with God himself by obeying him and doing what is right. I keep peace by taking care of my family and my kids. 
I keep peace by becoming a greater man of God. And if there is a time where I have to make war for doing the things that are right, led and guided and instructed and empowered by Holy Spirit, then that's when I make peace. I I am a peacemaker. I make the peace some, sometimes through war. And, and I'll be honest with you, much of the time, much of the time with kids, especially young kids and, and even teenage, junior high teenage kids and college as well, we make war on our knees in the spirit. We keep, we are peacekeepers in the lives of our kids, our family, our work, the assignment God has given us. It doesn't mean that we keep peace and be run over and not address. Many men are peacekeepers. Whatever it takes to keep peace, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to, I'm going to stuff how I feel and think. I'm going to just not say anything and then be driven to a vice or a coping mechanism that takes me out of my position to be a peacemaker, to be a Jesus alpha male, and I allow those things to off-track me. My grandfather told me one thing, and I, I thought it's it's always been amazing. He said, son, for every mile of road, there are two miles of ditch. Being a Jesus alpha male, there is always a ditch on either side of the pathway, and we have got to steer clear of that in the way we do it is hold tight and hold strong to the middle. And the middle is what God has assigned us to do and to be, not to give away. It was stolen. Our authority and position was stolen in the garden because we allowed it. God gave us authority over everything in the garden. That included the serpent. Yet we gave away the position that he gave us, and we we allowed our our wife in the garden. That's why sin passes down from, from one generation to the next. That's, that's, that's the understanding of that. Another thing that Jesus did was he was meek. Now I've got a lot of military friends. They are wonderful people. And one of the things that they cannot, they can't wrap their mind around is, is being meek because the culture says that meek is a doormat that meek is weak. Meek is weak. It is, it is the exact opposite. One of my military buddies who, who, uh, I'll just, I'll leave it there. We were talking about meekness and he said, look, dude, I can't wrap my mind around that. I am not weak. I won't be weak. I won't lay down for anybody. I said, okay, bravo. You just described meekness. And he, he double he did a double take, and I said, meekness is not being weak. The actual word meek means one who is able to bridle the authority and the power and the strength and the position God has given to use only when God assigns and designs and leads you and directs you and guides you by Holy Spirit to exert the power and authority to make war as it's needed. That's meekness. That's real meekness. Example, Jesus, the alpha male, in the temple, Jesus flipped tables. He became so angry, 
because of the righteousness of God in his heart that he flipped tables. He destroyed tables. He flipped the money changer tables because that was his father's house and his father's house was being misused and abused and misrepresented by those who were supposed to be holy. He also fashioned a, a, a whip of nine tails and he cleared the place out. I would go a step further and I would remind all of us that he is the same Jesus who hung on the cross when all heaven stood by and awaited even a glance from the king to invade and destroy everything on the earth because that is why Jesus was hung on that cross because of you and because of me all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. That is why Jesus died. So Jesus did not call down legions of angels. He did not call for help from his father. He obeyed his father even to death on the cross because that is his father's design and plan. Are you seeing are you seeing the richness of having a relationship with your father? Your heavenly father? There's richness here that goes beyond the glory of this earth and these little thrones that we create for ourselves. There is more here to being a Jesus alpha male than any of us have ever thought about or explored. I know know a few guys in my circles who have actually dove into this and, and looked at this, and the deeper you go, the more you get lost because there are such amazing plans God has for us, such amazing glory that he has for us as men to lead this culture and to remember that we can't do it alone. We have to have biblical women along with us. It, it is a one thing. It is a wholeness thing. So I tell you today that Jesus was not weak. He was meek. And I tell you today that he was not a peacekeeper. He was a peacemaker. And I furthermore tell you that he is, he is the ultimate, original, only alpha male. The scripture says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead because he obeyed his father, died and was buried in a tomb and rose on the third day. That same power, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, my brother, and it dwells in you to make you a Jesus alpha male, to have relationship with your heavenly father and to grow and to have the heart of a father. You don't, you didn't have a father or the one you had was no good. But the Father in heaven will give you his spirit, and he will make of you a great father. Now, I want to tell you three things that Jesus did. He practiced in his life regularly. Now, now one of the things that Jesus did, he had a a three-step thing. As you look at the the model of his life, he had this, this process. He lived his life out loud, loving Merciful, generous, not obnoxious, but he lived his life out loud and he invited, he, first of all, look, he invited people to come along with him. He invited, he invited people to follow him. Now he, he spoke to people who were, were being invited to follow him a different way than he did those who followed him. But, but the first thing that Jesus did is he invited people to come along with him. The second thing that he did, if they decided, I will take your invitation, I will follow you, 
then he said, imitate me, do what I do. Because what you see me do, you are seeing what I've seen from my father. So whatever you see me do, this is what I saw my father doing. This is what he told me to do. This is what he's empowered me to do. Therefore, I will do what he said. I will imitate him in my life. I will do what he has instructed me to do. So imitation, imitation. And now the third thing Jesus said on the mountain, he said at his departure, go into all the world, make disciples, preach the gospel, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and tell them, teach them, show them everything I've commanded you. So we, we take the invitation to be a beloved son of God. We imitate Jesus alpha male, and then we innovate what we've seen and heard and learned and what was modeled before us. We innovate that. How do we innovate all that we've seen? We begin to apply it in our lives and to begin to utilize it. And when I say innovate, I mean as we, when Jesus when we yielded our life to Jesus and we made him the first, the first point of authority, he is the first and the last in our lives. He, he is the authority. He speaks to us. He guides us. He is our Lord, our Savior. When we make him that, then as, as he saves us and delivers us, we're delivered and saved immediately. But there's this process called sanctification. And in that process, we have to break old thinking, old habits, old processes, get out of old relationships. That's where the innovation comes in. Because we're doing what he said. We're, we're behaving like he said. We're, we're responding to people like he said. We're doing, doing the things that he did. Here are the three things that I want you to walk away with today. Number one. Spend time with your heavenly father. Spend time with your heavenly father. You may not even know what that looks like, but I will tell you, if you will find a group of guys, or if you have a group of guys, five guys, three to five guys, one voice is not enough. You need three to five voices in your life, men of God voices. And you begin to examine together that that idea, that that discipline, spend time with your father, what does that look like? Explore that and begin to do it. It doesn't matter how how goofy it seems at first. Do it. Because as we move toward God, he is already present and will be working in our lives. He is already working, but we must respond to his work. We must respond to what he has already done. Number one, number one, spend time with your father. That means to do what you've seen him do. In scripture and and say what you've say what he said and and he will say things to you that are particular to you he will give you instruction and direction to have a father that loves you more than you could ever know he loves your kids and your wife more than you will ever know more than you will ever love he is he is he he is your father number two jesus did this he obeyed what his father said. He obeyed. He did what he, his father said. Now, there were times where Jesus, 
I'm sure gave second thought to it. One of those times was in the garden. He said, Father, is there any way that I could, I could still do your will and not go to the cross? And then he said, not your will, but mine. Or not my, not my will, Jesus said, but your will, Father. I want to do your will. I want to do what you want. So, number one, spend time with your Father. Number two, obey what he says. And number three, exercise your authority. Exercise the authority God has given you. If you spend time with your Father and you do what he tells you to do in Scripture and what he tells you personally, when you exercise your authority, it's going to feel like waving around the sword that God has given you to use. And it's going to be awkward and heavy, and it's going to sling you around. But once you understand and begin to practice with that sword, that authority, you don't beat people up, but you protect them. You drive away the enemy. And that sword is a reminder of who you are and who who has called you and who has given you that authority. Because my brother... That authority that God has given you supersedes. One of the things that my wife and I tell each other now is, I love you more. I love you more. Not not that I could love you more than you could love me because nobody knows that but God, but I love you more than this difficult time we're going through. I love you more than the trouble that we seem to be in at the moment because we've decided to follow God. I love you more than than these crazy kids doing this stupid stuff they're doing. I love you more than that, and I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to stick closer to you. And here's the interesting thing. Once you fight through the obstacles that seem to stand between you and your your God-given gift, your wife, once you get through those obstacles, you begin to see a person that you couldn't see clearly through that obstacle because you're looking at her like a Jesus alpha male and she's looking at you like a daughter of her heavenly father who understands that you are a gift that's been given her. Spend time with your father. Do what he tells you to do and walk in the authority he's given you. Hey, this is Barry Edgman creator and founder of Father Seekers. And this is the podcast, Teach Me to Father. Hey, you want to be listening in the next couple of weeks. We're going to drop some information for you to be engaged with us one-on-one in a Zoom call and in in, in a group that I don't even want to tell you what the name of it is yet because it is so awesome. But guys, we have things coming down the track to put tools in your hand that will make your life completely different. Not because we're saying it or doing it, because God's God's given us this through His Son, Jesus, and the Word of God. Hey, man, don't quit. Keep going. You are a Jesus alpha male.